so great to be in church today, and it's always so wonderful to um, come to the gas station of, of life and be refueled um, for the uncharted week ahead. Um, we're so gifted to have Advent Hope as a community. I've been coming here for a long time, and um, it's just an, such an inspiration to see you and to be um, inspired by the community that we experience here every week. The leadership, Todd and Michelle and Nick and the musicians um, really make this a special occasion. Um, you know, last week when I came to church, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to speak about today and I spoke to a few people and um, felt inspired. So if the sermon doesn't rise to the level that you would expect today, you've got to blame it on all the other people I spoke to last week. Um, but really, truly blessed to have um, such a wonderful family. Um, the texts of emphasis today, um, I have started with Psalm 56, verse 8, the English Standard Version. Um, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? That is David, the poet, at his best. My favorite psalm is Psalm 139, and so I also want to read from this psalm, another beautiful piece of poetry, in pertinent part, reads, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. And verse 13 reads, For you informed, for you formed my inwards, my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And if you close your eyes and you appreciate the imagery of, of God, this intimate creator and all his majesty coming so as close as possible um, to be with us. It was Friday morning before the Thanksgiving Sabbath of 2021. I don't remember the exact date, but I remember that morning as clearly as it were today. Ironically, there was nothing special or unusual about it, at least not at first, but that is because I wasn't paying attention. I took the A train from Brooklyn to 125th Street, where I transferred to the D train. It's my daily routine. I entered the train and stood towards the front of the train car and my back was to the doors. I was masked and only four short stops from my destination. To my right, in front of me, was a person lying fetal across the seat with their back to me. His gray hoodie was pulled over his head, hiding the quality of his hair and the hue of his neck and face. His hands were wedged between his thighs 
and his discolored tube socks covered his feet and ankles. I guessed a man from his stature and size, but I only assumed because I couldn't see anything that would confirm complexion, age, or sex. He released a deep, rattling sound from the back of his throat every time he exhaled. He was wearing a rusty-colored orange bubble coat with black elastic collar and wrists. I remember remarking silently on how clean and new the jacket appeared compared to everything else that he was wearing. Beside his seat was a cart stacked high and meticulously neat with what seemed to be everything that he owned. On the floor and under the seat were his high-top sneakers purposely positioned side by side. Now, it is not uncommon for me to write short mental stories based on my commuter observations to pass the time, and so I began with my preliminary investigatory questions. Who is this person? Who was he before he had to make the train his bedroom and his car his mobile home? Did he have a family, children? Who had given him the new rusty orange colored bubble jackets with the elastic trim around the neck and wrists? Had he bought the jacket or had he stolen it? His back was turned to the public and he snored deeply, indicating a level of comfort and security that suggested that this was not his first, second, nor third time sleeping on a train. His neatly stacked cart and positioned sneakers spoke to the pride of someone who had once had a home and a parent or guardian who had taught him the importance of tidiness, no matter the circumstance. It was about 8.43 a.m. and had he eaten? Would he eat? I had slept very comfortably in bed, a nice bed, bathed in a shower with warm running water, and Aryan oil and shea butter lemon sage dead sea mineral soap. I was dressed in clothes that I had chosen and purchased and was protected from the cold by a warm wool coat. In my bag was a tofu, bacon, avocado, and cucumber topped with chili garlic hot sauce wrapped in a warm Mediterranean corn taco. Compliments of my darling. I planned to eat it while seated behind my desk in the leather ergonomic chair in my office before starting my workday. All this I had not thought of before seeing the contrast before me. I then noticed a man approaching from the opposite end of the train car. There were not many people in the car, but I had not seen him before and cannot tell you when or from where he had entered. He walked in our direction briskly and with intention. As he got closer, I noticed that his clothes were worn and ill-fitted, but unexpectedly clean. His skin was dark and his beard and hair were uncombed. His boots were untied, perhaps a size too large, and bore the signs of wear and need. 
He quickly sat down in the middle of the unoccupied seat to my immediate right, directly across from the sleeping man, and gazed at him intently. He was also wearing a slight odor. A lush worker or jostler, I concluded. My suspicions awoke and I reached for my phone and pressed camera in anticipation of an impending crime. He continued to stare at the sleeping man, then got up just as quickly as he had sat down and approached the unsuspecting victim while reaching towards his pockets. I raised my phone as inconspicuously as possible to capture the crime, then slowly lowered it in embarrassment and disbelief as I observed the stranger place several bills into the pocket of the sleeping man. He then took a few steps backwards, sat again in the same empty seat, closed his eyes, bowed his head, and raised his clasped hands as if in prayer. As his lips moved, I raised my phone again to memorialize the sermon that I had just witnessed, but reconsidered when I noticed another man watching the same scene and me. The Samaritan continued in the same prayerful posture until I got off a few stops later. I do not know how much money was placed in the sleeping man's pocket, neither did I know what their relationship was before that extraordinary act of kindness, but it did not matter. It was one of the most simple and beautiful acts of compassion that I have witnessed between two people, both clearly in need, with one who was willing to give some, if not all, of what he had to another whose need he considered greater or more important than his own. Whether he was sleeping, whether he was the sleeping man, or the selfless, homeless giver, it did not matter. Jesus was on the D train. The Bible is replete with passages and accounts of how committed and invested God is in what we consider the small or simple things of life. There is absolutely no aspect of who we are, no matter how small, and no circumstance too simple, no act or commission, no act of commission or com omission that goes unnoticed by God. He pays attention. Every detail of who you are is important to Him. God is deeply interested in the details, your details. God is the detail. What God in all majesty and power cares enough about the coat the sparrow wears or how fields carpeted in green should be accented with color and numbering follicles of our heads, if not a God who cares. God pays attention to the details, your details. The truth is that there is something special in every second of every minute of every day when we pay attention. The fact that most of us function normally without thought or consideration 
is quite remarkable. We wake up in the morning and begin our day, if not with prayer, with the phone, then the TV. We shower, shave, comb our hair, dress and eat and rush to work. And then if we have children, the chaos is threefold as the demands to get them dressed, fed, organized, and after daycare or school, with habitual precision and very little thought for the effort it involves. Yes, we can recite passionately about how stressful it is, but still with little consideration about the thoughtless efforts each task requires. When was the last time you had to think before you raise your leg to step or climb a stair or bend to pick up a fallen coin, sneeze, cough, or even blink. Yes, blink. I was recently introduced to a little girl whose struggle it is to blink or close her eyes. Her eyes were inflamed, red, and painfully raw. The average adult blinks approximately 12 times per minute with each blink lasting one-third of a second. If the average adult is awake for 16 to 18 hours per day, then she blinks on average 12,240 times per day, and each time without full or any awareness. Did you have to make a mental calculation before you sat in the pew or hug your friend when you saw them this morning? Probably not. If you haven't an appreciation for what I'm asking, then perhaps you have never injured your lower back or cut your littlest finger. Only then will you quickly realize how intricately complicated and complex the human body is. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. We breathe and eat and laugh and talk and walk and run with little or any pre-thought. Life is the sum of many special daily moments made up of little things we would first, that we first world humans called ordinary and expect with a sense of entitlement. Those moments, or shall we call them details, we hardly give value because they are minor and simply not big enough, but without which there would be no meaningful stories that inspire intentional and purposeful living. The greatest books ever written began with a solitary letter that by itself had very little meaning, if any. The most celebrated scores of music ever composed started with a single note in which there was hardly a melody and every masterpiece of art that hangs in the Louvre or Met was birthed by a single stroke of a brush that perhaps could have been made by a child. There are great lessons to be learned even in the smallest and simplest things because you see before the letter and before the single note or brush stroke came an intelligent, intentional idea that, has, that was anything but insignificant. How many of us see the beautiful flower and smell the fragrance that lies within the tiny seed 
or taste the sweet juices that are housed inside the pip of an orange before we discard it with a spit. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God is paying attention. I have thought of those two men often since that November Friday morning, and God's interest in the least of these underscored in Matthew 25. The details and the small things that make up our world and we too many times overlook or ignore are actually not so small at all. A spotlight was placed directly on my explicit and implicit biases. My embarrassing rush to judgment based on how the characters in the parabolical story looked and smelled. I have repeatedly considered my fortune and privilege for having a bed, clean clothes, accessible water and soap, a job and caring wife who makes me delicious wraps for breakfast. Well, sometimes. Everything is simple and small when compared to God. There is a heightened awareness that must accompany true Christian living and must extend beyond mere observation and acknowledgement. Christianity is not a spectator sport. What happens here in church today, now, has no value and means nothing, absolutely nothing. No matter how earnest we pray and beautifully we sing, how inspiring Todd and Michelle preach, if there is nothing more, if something does not happen after, they inspire us. We must, we are called to do more than listen and agree. Otherwise, church is reduced to nothing more than entertainment. It is what happens after when we say goodbye and walk through those doors that counts. God is paying attention because he has invested an interest in each of us. Fundamentally, it is far more about the depth of his love than the breadth of his power or the importance of any particular detail. You may be thinking, but I am merely a kernel of, coin, of corn of little value, if any, feeling discarded, alone and lonely, jobless, hopeless, unable to find your purpose and struggling in the darkness of lowest self-esteem or even to see, let alone pay attention to another's detail. Well, potential often is often secreted from the glare of the spotlight and the stage of attention and success, preferring to remain humbled in the silence and unseen. You see, God is interested in that kernel because of its potential that can only be realized if it should first find the darkness of the soil. And there will it endure the agony and transformation of germination, enduring the weight of the rain-soaked earth and the relentless heat of the sun before it will climb to the surface where there it will find the light. One kernel of corn 
bears an average of four ears of corn, each bearing eight to 1,200 kernels. Yes, that simple kernel whose inward parts were knitted together in your mother's womb, whose sitting and rising is noted and thoughts considered from afar, whose tossings he counts and tears he collects and bottles. The sower is paying attention. In that prayerful act of kindness is a sermon that encapsulates who Jesus is. Where is he? What is his purpose for each of us? Oftentimes he's right in front of us, sleeping fetal next to his cart and high top sneakers or sitting right beside us on the D train with shoes one size too big and an uncombed beard in the simple, ordinary, unexpected places and people, wishing for us to see him, experience and learn from him if we too would only pay attention. God is interested in the details, your details, whatever they may be. And I pray that as we leave here today, we will be more than motivated to change, but rather inspired to be transformed. Amen.